When did you last take shore leave? About two months ago. Ah. How long since you've done something pleasurable for recreation? Doctor, I know I'm a bit testy today, but I can assure you. How long? <sighs> it's been a while. I have a hollow novel program. It helps me unwind. I haven't had time to run it for a few weeks. Well, I want you to. Now. Aye, sir. Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast Give Me That Star Trek. Its ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Welcome to episode 3 of Gimme That Star Trek, a proud member of the Fire and Water Network. I'm your host, the totally redeemable Siskoid, and today is our Halloween special, even though it drops on All Saints Day, the day after Halloween. And we're talking about the most famous ghost story that isn't actually a ghost story, and how it found its way into Star Trek. You know, Star Trek has a long tradition of incorporating great works of literature into its stories, ever since Kirk was outed as a huge Shakespeare fan in The Conscience of the King. And since then, Trek has made use of Moby Dick, Sherlock Holmes, A Christmas Carol, Les Miserables, and more germane to this episode... Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre, specifically because Voyager's captain Janeway was known to relax by playing a holo novel very much based on that famous work. Yes, I'm calling this episode Janeway Eyre. <laughs> no, terrible. So, with me to talk about program Janeway Lambda One is Jose Robichaud, aka Art Girl from the Oh Hot Moo or Not podcast, very much our resident Jane Eyre expert. Hi, Jose. Hello. Now, not only will we be talking about this famous gothic romance, but Jose is going to experience Janeway's hollow novel before your very ears. We'll be taking breaks throughout the episode to watch the relevant bits, then come back to talk about them. But before we go any further, there's the matter of the short quiz. All guests must answer. Uh, if only to give our listeners an idea of where you're coming from as a Trekkie or as not a Trekkie, as the case may be. So, <laughs> Jose, uh, what's your connection to Star Trek? Are you into Star Trek? <laughs> How little are you into Star Trek? I was never a big fan of Star Trek, unfortunately. I'm not as much into science fiction as others. I like a lot more fantasy. Hmm? And one of the only, like, I've seen a few of the new movies. I've seen a few of the old episodes. I had a boyfriend that was a big fan. But uh, <laughs> every time he would listen, I would either do homework or do other things, or I get I would get him distracted because booze always win over Star Trek, apparently. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> oh, man. I'll ask these questions anyway. What is your favorite version of Star Trek? Show or series of movies? With the one movie I saw, I would say the movie, just it's more up to date. I, a lot of the actors I knew, I, I, I like them. I Chris knew... Pine? <laughs> Chris Pine, but uh, Simon <laughs> Pegg also, I really uh. like him. There's a few other ones that I liked that in the older versions, there's a few other characters I knew who the actor were, but I didn't care for them as much. So I would say the new version, just because it's more relevant, I find. Do you have a favorite uh, Star Trek character? I don't know them enough to say. 
honestly. <laughs> okay. Sadly. <laughs> Do you have a favorite alien culture? I don't know the name. I remember them from back when I would watch it with my ex. It's uh, They were blue. They were serene and blue. I don't remember their names. I just remember finding them aesthetically pretty. Did they have antennae or were they, were they like maybe split in the middle of the face? Oh, I don't <laughs> remember either one. Okay. Blue. It's either Bolians or Andorians. <laughs> All my knowledge. <laughs> All right. But the, the real important thing here is that I, I like to have a fresh opinion. That's why we do a hot more not. It's, you know, all people, almost all people who don't know anything about comics talking about comics. And um, very often it reveals something us nerds never really thought of. That's what we're going to do with Star Trek today. But I do have you here because you're a, an expert on Jane Eyre. You've read this book. Many times. You know how many? Every year since I first got it, because okay. it's my favorite. Every year? Yeah. Wow. I got it at a yard sale in Sussex. There's a big flea market. I found it in a big box when I was about 15, 16, and I've read it every year since. So almost 10 times. Yes. Yeah. What is it about Jane Eyre? The first time I read it, I found that it was just a really nice love story, and it's like, oh, Rochester, swoon, how pretty, and all that <laughs> stuff. But the more I grew up, the more I saw all the feminists aspect of it and I realized a lot about it and I found that it's where I get a lot of how I think nowadays and how for me Jane became a role model for me of what I can be and what I should be and how I need to listen to myself before others so that's why it became the first time I read it it's like oh it's like Pride and Prejudice it's a love story it's nice but throughout the years as I grew up it was like it's more than just a love story there's a lot more around it about what it is to be a woman in that time and I still find that you can apply those thoughts and ideas now and that's what I find that's really lovely about that novel. I love it when there's like a book that made you who you are. Yeah. <laughs> I have my own. D did you, uh, have you seen a lot of the film versions? Yes. I've seen a few of them. I'm trying to see all of them, but I've seen, I would say maybe three or four of the movies and TV shows. So yeah. Do you have a favorite? I would say the newest one with uh, Michael Fassbender and Mia something, her name I can't pronounce. Wachikowski. Wachikowska. Thank you. I find it's the other ones I find there they respect a lot of the stories but I find this one they added a, a few of more of the elements that how can I say translated better in movie like there's a lot of the parts in the novel that it's good in a novel shape and it's not as it wouldn't have translated as well into the the movies and this one adjusted those and I find it made a better movie it's not as it's not as accurate as the others but I find it's a better uh, film version of it right. I find it's a lot of uh, can I speak of a, spe a scene in specific yeah it's in one scene we're gonna spoil a hundred year old book I'm sorry <laughs> or more it was a written in 1847 if I okay, remember so it's like well, 150 around. years yeah. old now yeah it's one part in the novel Jane has left Rochester and she's out in the moors or just going about her life and she says she hears Rochester scream her name but in a movie it's very strange just to hear someone scream but in the in the movie with uh, Michael Fassbender it's more of a whisper in the wind that she hears and she gets enchanted by it and runs away to go back to Rochester so I find that in one of the version it's really a scream it was very strange and off-putting <laughs> but I find it they made adjustment that was for the better of the movie. In opposition to you, you know, I've seen most Star Trek <laughs> episodes and movies several, several times. Yeah. <laughs> many, many times. Uh, but I have not read Jane Eyre. You've seen the movie. I've, I've seen, presented it. I've seen that movie. Uh, we have a, a movie night here at... Um, 
what we call improv house. And our various friends come in and would show a movie that, that was special to them or, you know, just like uh, film history stuff. or We, we watch all sorts. And uh, my first experience with Jane Eyre was, well, no, my first experience with Jane Eyre was the Voyager episodes we're about to watch, so to speak. But my first Jane Eyre uh, ex- real experience was that uh, version uh, that you presented. And I didn't know what to expect, yeah. really. I know it's a great work. Uh, I have, it just never came across my desk while I was an English major. Yeah. It just never happened. So I was surprised to find that it was not a ghost story. You know, <laughs> going in, I thought, like, oh, Jane Eyre is probably the name of the ghost. <laughs> That's how no. far back I was on this. So, uh, and I did enjoy it, and um, I'd be willing to read it if ever. But I can uh, lend you one of my tenth copies of oh it. My. Are you collecting different versions of it? Yeah, every once in a while, someone gets it at like a flea market or a yard sale, and just like, oh, it was two dollars. Here, Jose, or. One year, one of my boyfriend at the time was like, I thought it was really pretty. It had a nice cover and it was like, I bought it for you. So I have, I can count at least seven or eight copies of it. Yeah. I need to stop. <laughs> for me, it's Hamlet. I've got, yeah, I know. I've got Hamlet. <laughs> I don't know, 20 I, Hamlets. I just ordered Jane Eyre manga edition. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. It just needs to come. <laughs> I should read my two manga Hamlets. Yes, you should. <laughs> My God. So two peas in a pod here. Did this make you a um, a gothic romance fan? Or is it just really Jane Eyre that you keep no. going to? It's gothic, not as much. I have always liked the romantic novels. Like I was a big fan of uh, Jane Austen from the beginning. And that's why I think I, I had Jane Eyre in the back of my mind that it was like a, a book similar to that. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, I remember this in like someone talking about it. It was, it was a similar as Jane Austen. So I was like, oh, I'll buy it for like $2. Why not? But I've read other books of a gothic and romance, but I wouldn't say I'm as interested in gothic as much as just romance novels and like women empowering in back those days. Like with uh, Jane Austen in Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth is very um, ahead of her time a bit and forward. And I find that that was empowering for me. That's what I liked about it. And there is a few other books like Jane Eyre that I find the female character is more than the traditional character of back then of being submissive, quiet, and just sitting there and uh, being what she was expected. She was more, and that's what I like about it. It's what gave me the want to be something more than what I could be. Jane Austen isn't gothic. No. Right. It's no, not, no, no. It's not gothic. It's not like the uh, like Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights. Have you read that one? Yeah. Are you a fan of that one? Um, it's a, an okay one. <laughs> it's, just, it's I find it... A, it was a lot less compelling for me. I found it very long. I read uh, Jane, Aust- uh, Jane Eyre first, and I was like, wow, she has a sister. It must, j- it must be another great novel. And I was like, mm. I'm asking because uh, it, seems, it seems to be the general opinion. Earlier this year at the network, Rob Kelly has a podcast called Film and Water, and he discussed Jane Eyre, the 1943 version, uh, with uh, Stella, who, is, who runs a Bad Girl podcast. And um, and she was a big Jane Eyre fan, like you are. I read it many, many, many times and all that. And did not like Wuthering Heights. And then it's, and our own friend, DJ Nat, yeah. also dislikes think, Wuthering Heights. I think she read Wuthering Heights first. So when I said, like, you should read Jane Eyre, she's like, I don't know. Mm, and okay. then when she read it, she was like, not that it's not a good book, but it was... For- 
For us, it was far superior than mm. Wuthering Heights. Is Wuthering Heights less about empowering the female character? Yeah. Because and she seems much more tempest-tossed. Yeah, and I find it was just very, not boring, but it was long. For a long period of time, there was nothing that was going on. Compared to Jane Eyre, like, even if nothing was happening, you would be in Jane's thoughts, and you would see how she was as a character and how she was different as of the woman back then. I find in Wuthering Heights, it was just so much sadness all over the book it was just so sad everyone is sad a lot of people die and it was just like it was a heavy book to read compared to Jane Eyre it was still a bit on the sad side but it was still they were still good moments and you could see the evolution of the characters compared to I just Jane Eyre is the far superior one for me <laughs> all right well let's look at that Voyager episode or three of them the, the idea was that Janeway you know that ship is lost in the Delta Quadrant and they're never coming home or it's going to take like 70 years for them to come back home uh, if they do it like in a straight line so a lot of the characters go into the holodeck which is like a fantasy room where uh, they sort of role playing and they play hollow novel from show to show she would go into the, the holodeck and play a chapter in the story okay. and the story is very much based on Janeway it's also based on uh, Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca. It's also based on Henry James' The Turn of the Screw. But it's, I think it's really very much more Jane Eyre than anything else. But that kind of thing. And originally, the idea was to have her be in a Western every time she went in. Like, play a Western theme because they were out in the frontier trying to survive. So she would be going to the holodeck and having Western adventures that were similar. Where she would be learning to survive on the frontier. Except that would have cost too much and uh, Kate Mulder grew apparently didn't like horses <laughs> it would have been a they're, problem they're big they're scary yeah so it would have been so it was easier to do like a costume drama kind of thing which kind of turned into a Jane Eyre okay. thing it appeared uh, in three episodes Cathexis Learning Curve which are both in the first season and then Persistence of Vision in the second season and then they dropped it we're gonna see I, I don't remember all these episodes very well but we'll see if if there's closure enough Okay. It might be that they never really finished. I know the original I read I, in my research, I saw that originally the idea was to have her complete a story. And then in later seasons, she would start a new book. But they never really did that anymore. It's one of the many things they dropped in uh, Voyager. Which... So uh, we're going to take it. Well, you're not going to feel the break. We're, we're going to play a small clip from Cathexis uh, on the show. But for us, we're going to take the 5-10 minutes to uh, watch that little piece of the episode. Mrs. Davenport, I'll come to the point. I am not an easy man to live with. Since my wife died, I'm told I'm even worse. She was a buffer for me. I understand. The children are the ones who've suffered. I've not been much of a father to them, and God knows I can't be a mother. I'm not asking that you replace their mother, but I think they'll respond to a woman's sensibilities. You might fill a void in their lives. I'll certainly try, Your Grace. I hope they won't make things difficult for you. One thing above all I must demand. You are never, under any circumstances, to go onto the fourth floor. Is that clear? So that was Cathexis 
or the, the, the just a little introduction to it, to the uh, Janeway's program. Uh, cathexis means the concentration of mental energy on one particular person, idea, or object, and then the episode goes on to be about spirit wheels and Chakotay. Uh, so you know it's boring. But also, I guess... It's thematically, Janeway is concentrating her mental energy on this program. What did you think of the introduction? We skipped a lot of the novel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, so bam, she's already governess. Yeah, like uh, the novel starts that she is, her parents unfortunately passed away and she's being taken care of by her aunt. Uh, that's mistreating her and her cousins are mistreating her as well and then she gets sent to uh, Lowood at about 13 I think till she's 18 and we see a bit of that and then she goes to um, the Rochester Rochester's uh, estate and mm. everything so it's like we skip right there right ahead so I was like oh oh okay yeah <laughs> I was I was thrown back <laughs> that's the bit people know about I think it's Let's do the thing with the romantic interests yeah, already. I find that her time with the John, uh, the John family, and at the Lowood gave her a lot of her personality, and why she is the way she is, and how she has patience and she's caring and compassionate towards others. So I find that we skip that, so we miss a lot of like who she is as a character. But that's all right, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're stuck with Janeway. Yeah. Janeway is the character we know. And yeah. She's gonna be using her own personality. <laughs> I... In the. Scenario. Yeah, I saw I saw that. She was very uh, forward. Like, Jane, Jane Eyre is very forward, but in a very subtle way, in a very calm way, and composed way, compared to this one. She was very forward right away, and it threw me back as yeah. well. She's a starship captain. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I find that, like, Jane Eyre, she can get someone's attention, but she's always quiet, more uh, composed compared to this one. She was still composed, but she was, she's not afraid to raise her voice or to c command attention, which is something different from Jane Eyre. Yeah, she's older, too. Does that make, like, in the story, we haven't really recapped it, but what we saw was uh, Janeway as Mrs. Davenport. That's the name of the, yeah. their character. She's in this, in ancient England, so like Victorian England. Uh, and uh, she's going to be governess to two kids we don't yet meet. He doesn't have kids in the movie. <laughs> no, you're right. But she's going to be governess. That's why it's a combination of different books. But she's going to be governess to these two kids. And she meets the housekeeper. Mrs. played Fairfax. by Yeah, played by uh, Carolyn Seymour. Who's always very, she very easily plays creepy. Okay. Like stern and creepy and everything. You know, and most things I've seen her do. It's yeah, like the, that kind of character. And in the novel, she's more, not motherly, but she's very warm and welcome and she like the conversation they had together was very strange because they're both very strong characters compared to in the novel Jane is very warm and nice and compassionate and sweet and so is Mrs. Fairfax so it was very like oh very antagonistic <laughs> yeah. right away yeah compared to the other one like I find Jane Eyre found not a motherly figure but a someone to talk to at the house that was also a woman that wasn't one of one of the maids or one of the nurses or anyone that was we shall say below her that was almost equal to her so she could talk to they became good friends so it was very strange to see right away they were like bumping heads I was like oh yeah but oh, Okay. <laughs> Probably they're doing that to make it play to older. Like she has to be, she's not quite so young or naive yeah. or so create conflict right away. And Janeway has to be an older, an older woman already self-possessed maybe or more self-possessed. Then we meet 
Lord Burley, who's our Rochester yeah. stand-in, and he warns her not to go to the fourth floor. That, that's a very that's Jane Eyre. Yeah, the, that, the fourth floor. I didn't mind that 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 character. It was it was a good representation of Rochester in a very small section. Like he's very tall, he's very handsome, he's commands attention, but also at one point he does say to Jane, like, please don't go in those parts of the castle. There's no, they're not for anyone. In the novel, there's one person that's allowed to go. It's uh, Mrs. Poole, and she guards that area. And He's like, she's the one that takes care of it. You don't have to go. Your job is to take care of Adele. That is his child in a way, we shall say. Yeah, his Not... ward. Yeah, it's... Robin to his Batman. <laughs> it's... He was a man that had a lot of lovely ladies in the days, and she claimed that it was his child, although he thinks it's not. Here he's going to have actually two kids. Like, we, we see them later Okay. Uh, in, in other chapters. And, of course, there's like the haunted element. Yeah. The storm, the gothic stuff. There's thunder. The figure in the window. Oh, that's, that's I, I like that part where she's looking out the window, and then she sees a, a reflection. Figure. Yeah, a, a reflection of a woman. When she turns around, it's just a painting, the dead wife. To me, that's very... Jane Eyre in, in format where we see uh, like a ghostly apparition we think it's supernatural yeah. but no it's got a, a mundane explanation yeah that's a lot of what happens in Jane Eyre where she thinks something like at one point she hears like laughter or like creepy steps and she's like oh god it's a ghost but then it explains later like oh no it was just one of the maids and like there's someone to always trying yeah. to cover up what it is really but she thinks it's ghost and the manor's haunted and because yeah. Jane Eyre is about the like the haunting of the mind yes yeah. what all the haunting is psychological so we're seeing some of that here and uh, we'll see how it later manifests if it really does become a ghost story or not the next part is learning curve is well it's a similar very small bit from the last episode of that uh, season and we're just going to listen to a clip of it you, you're not going to notice we're, we'll be gone 10 minutes bye and Beatrice what do you like to study nothing not even painting or needlework I just made my first sampler I finished it yesterday did you oh I'd love to see it sometime I don't have it anymore I gave it to mother. Beatrice, my sister is confused. She gave the sampler to mother before she died. No, I didn't. I gave it to her last night. Beatrice! I talked to her. Beatrice is upset, Mrs. Davenport. She hasn't yet accepted our mother's death. Beatrice, I know. It was a terrible thing to lose your mother. She's not dead! I saw her last night! What have you done to my sister? Computer, restore characters and program Janeway Lambda 1. Unable to comply. There has been a disruption of power to Energy Grid Beta 4. So that was the small bit from Learning Curve. It's not very Jane Airy. What we saw was Janeway or Mrs. Davenport meeting the two kids for the first time. The little boy is... Intense. A bit of a oh. dick. Oh. <laughs> and the little girl claims that uh, she gave her sampler, I guess a needlepoint thing, to her mother last night. Yes. And the little boy goes, uh, no. Beatrice. No, Beatrice. So... She's been gone for a long time. Uh, so it's a, it's again, it's playing with that ghost story. Yeah. Is the mother alive or dead uh, or undead? That aspect I like because uh, in Jane Eyre, it's Adele, uh, Rochester's ward. 
that says she hears people in the night and she hears a, a voice of someone and she t says that she she sees in her dreams a woman with pale skin and dark black hair roaming around the castle and she says it's a it's a woman that will come for you at night and Jane has heard some of those noises but she's like ah oh, it's nothing she just dismisses it and it's like no no it's imagination just, it's just in our dreams Adele don't be silly and she just brushes it aside so I like that aspect that uh, one of the kids more or less sees the, those ghosts possibly of the dead mother but yeah or possibly both and the yes. little boy is uh, just trying to hide the secret yeah but it, it really creates an environment where Janeway is it's like everybody's against Janeway in this the housekeeper is mean and the kids are mean <laughs> yeah no, the, the, the kids that are mean really threw me off because Adele became quite fond of Jane quite quickly in the novel because uh, it's just another a friend for her that she didn't have for a long time and she gets really close to her very fast in the novel and even later on she keeps uh, being her governess even later on after the book's done so yeah it's like here it's you're just throwing problems at, at Janeway because it's like a game scenario yeah. so she's got to be able to handle like she doesn't know Latin really how are you going to be my teacher kind of thing so it's just creating problems for her and the the episode ends with the kids disappearing because there's a ship malfunction there's always going to be some sort of interruption yeah but it makes the kids become ghosts yeah. All of a sudden, so it's like a cute thing, I guess. The rest of the episode is really about Neelix made some bad cheese, and the <laughs> cheese infected the ship systems, oh. and that's why there are malfunctions. Oh. That's why we don't watch the rest yeah. of the episode. Now the next episode we're going to look at is Persistence of Vision. And this one we're going to have to watch quite... A lot more of it. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the characters in the Hollow novel are important to the whole story. Okay. So we're going to take a, for you, a tiny break, play a clip. And we'll watch it. <laughs> and for us, a long break where we watch TV. Good afternoon, my lord. Will the children be joining us for tea? Presently. Lord Burley, is something wrong? Yes. Terribly wrong. <sighs> I have fallen in love with you, Lucy. And that was Persistence of Vision, which was actually a Halloween episode, because right now we're taping on the 30th of October. Yes. You're listening to this a couple days later. And this came out exactly 21 years ago, on the 30th of October, 1995, which makes me feel really old. <laughs> you know, that this Voyage episode was more, more than 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, Yeah, I feel old too, suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> My God. So the story, as it, as it went, this time we watched the whole episode. We had to because it kept using the Jane Eyre-ish hollow novel. But basically, it's the story of a telepathic alien who messes with the crew, starting with Janeway, by making her see elements from that holodeck story in her real life. And uh, so it creates basically a ghost story for, yeah. her, for her. And later for the other characters where they see people from their past. And this is the last we see of Janeway Lambda 1, okay. that program. So at the end of the episode, she's like, I'm taking a break from fantasy yeah. um, after these events. 
and if she did go back to the story, we never saw it. Okay. So what did you think of the of how this kind of wrapped up the Janeway program story? Uh, didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like at the end that uh, Janeway and what uh, Velena was ta- were speaking like oh, I saw things that uh, I don't want to speak of and stuff like that and they were like oh it's better to not say them and stuff like that and I find it goes against what Jane Eyre is about okay. a bit like to speak your mind and to not like especially for women not to be shy and to speak their mind so them just being like oh no I'll just not speak of this ever again was a bit like oh that's not that's not the the no. writers didn't get it no yeah because in this thing we we have this element of this romance element that's kind of gothic where Janeway in the story because it starts off pretty pretty rough we see at, at first we see that Janeway is um, not in the right in a good place she's very testy yeah. and angry and overworked yeah she just looks very overwhelmed and frustrated and yes. just and the doctor sends her to the holodeck to take Which a break I don't understand how going to the holodeck can be relaxing in any way especially that story she looks as frustrated on there that outfit I was just like I would not in my mind putting a corset with a big dress and going yes I will go and speak to frustrating children is not my type of holiday yeah, let's go school some children yeah no uh, not it, my holiday no but it's sort of a role-playing game for yeah. her so it's supposed to be relaxing <laughs> oh, okay and so she gets to play dress up <laughs> you know and immediately when she walks into the holodeck this time the Rochester wannabe Lord Burley kisses confesses her right, his <laughs> confesses love. Her, kisses her right away it's like whoa my reaction was uh, just what no yeah no my reaction was very um i wrote in my notes a uh, wtf in big letters and like <laughs> nope well we we obviously we haven't seen the relationship of all it's like for her this wasn't like the, the third time she walks in right we, i know but i want to see those interaction where mm. they're very politely sassy to each other talking about stuff and like they how, infer it and yeah they can't say he, it he talks to her and like every once in a while they they're in the garden and they they talk to each other and it's so always very sassy in a way and that's why he likes her it's always like as much as she's in theory below him she's intellectually at the same level as him and she's not shy about it and she wants that equality with him and that's why he finds that so appealing yeah, so we we jump right to the yeah lightning, to the confession on, the, and lightning on the tree it's yeah the <laughs> confession and it's like whoa and it's bizarre for her because and this is one of the things Janeway deals with in this episode is that obviously these are fantasy figures the holodeck character is not a real person yeah it is a ghost a scientific ghost type creature in a way but she left a boyfriend at home yeah and a dog, dog. <laughs> i was gonna say that beautiful dog <laughs> Uh, and this is like part of her backstory. Everybody's lost someone, or, or you know, it's part of why it's rough being seventy years out. You're never going to see the people you love ever again, probably. And so they make Mark, that's his name, part of the story. So now it's like I've been kissed by this yeah. sex puppet, yeah, <laughs> kiss puppet. You know, she's left a person at home, yeah, and in the the alien that's toying with her show also makes mark manifest and so she's yeah. torn between two lives and two men yeah and one she's probably lost and one that isn't real yeah so it's part of that part of the torture she goes through here which is kind of a gothic romance element yeah but something happens in the when she's having hallucinations some of it is totally not jane Eyre. it's you know probably from those other yeah. sources like the housekeeper that attacks her with a knife yeah no 
But there is the, what you're talking about earlier, the voice on the wind. Yeah. She hears lines. She hears Lord Burley in the corridors of the, yeah, no, the ship. She, she hears the whispers and the, another element that's not... It's not in the book, but the kid that's in the hallway, you, she just sees snippets of dresses and like around corners. That's a little bit like the ghost in Jane Eyre where she just sees like, oh, I saw something in the window or I saw something like in a frosty window in the hallway, but it's like, I didn't see it again. So it's a bit like the ghost. It's not the girl in, in Jane Eyre, but it's a, the ghost, the girl in the, in the episode, but the element of ghost is still there. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah. And there is that element that, that has to be. I mean, in, in uh, Star Trek, there really shouldn't normally not any magic or supernatural elements. They're always explained scientifically or with gobbledygook. This episode is chock full of technobabble that means nothing. Nope. And people talking nope. about... Over my head. Uh, over everyone's heads. I Excellent. think that was one of the weaknesses of that show is that it relied too much on those kinds of solutions okay. that just were just scientific sounding words and they're just punching buttons and yeah. that's how it fixes everything. Yeah. My One of my main complaints about the show and why it's like my least favorite of all the versions. The series. Because of that. But it's still the Jane Eyre structure where despite it being like a sort of horror story and by the end it is, it's got even got like body horror like you know Kess is being attacked psychically and yeah. she's got wounds that are foaming that gross makeup <laughs> but it's all scientific really it's really an alien and it's really telepathy and it's but really was he ever really there was he ever really there Ooh, the ghost Ooh. element at the end <laughs> uh, yeah and yeah so this isn't really a resolution to that story. We never find out... Well, I mean, we, I think we can guess that the fourth floor has the mother alive and yeah. well. Or at least that's what Janeway thinks, because if it's all coming from her mind... Yeah. Then when the little girl kind of spoils it by saying, um, my mother's grave is empty. My dad likes likes my mother, likes her, not, you. not you. It's more of a... what. You know, what's something that Janeway's imagining. Yeah. And of course, this is like a non-issue, the whole dilemma that she's in, because like it happens when she goes back to the holodeck to see what's wrong, what, yeah. what might be wrong. She deletes the Lord Burley character. Yeah. When he tries to kiss her again. Is this something you'd like to be able to do? <laughs> is, that, is, this something, is this an ability that women would like to have? To delete people? <laughs> delete people who are coming on too strong to them? Um... <laughs> Yes and no, I would prefer it at work. Annoying client. Ah, delete. Delete. Done. Shifts over. Go home. Boom. <laughs> so really, there's no... Mark's not really there, and yeah. Lord Burley's not real, so it's, it's not like Janeway is really... You know, it's always bizarre. It's like, how would that work if you were in a simulation like that, and there is romantic or even sexual stuff? Is that cheating, or is that like just sex dolls? Ah, 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 I don't... Th in a way, I think it would be cheating because the emotional part of it is there. It's so... Okay, is, so it, complicated. is it cheating when you read you read the book? Okay. And you, you have feelings for the character. Well, so no. oh, I'm a little flushed at the... Well, no. Oh, Rochester. Woo! <laughs> is that cheating because there's well, an emotional no. element? Well, no. I don't know. The future's really complicated. <laughs> I would say no. It's a book, so it's... Yeah. That's a toughie. Yeah, but the participation is obviously... I don't think reading a book is cheating. <laughs> I think that's just... 
reading a book. <laughs> okay. Participating in a holodeck program yeah. that would be out of bounds. Yeah, I think it's because it's, there's still, as much as it's a hologram, it, there's still a physical somewhat person in front of you and you decide consciously to make the decision to, let's say, cheat on your husband or boyfriend with a hologram. What is the future? <laughs> what, what is this future? <laughs> My God. But you probably there's like uh, you can probably push a button like a like a V chip program it so that uh, I'm in a stable relationship right now I cannot be kissed by Lord Burley. <laughs> no advances, please. <laughs> This ends kind of doesn't end. Yeah. You know, you've talked a lot about what you might have wanted instead. There's a lot of, like, the house I really liked for the elements of the gothics. The wardrobe were interesting choices. Like, I, I know that uh, Janeway, because she's the captain, she dresses in red, right? Mm -hmm. in, oh, yes. She had, like, a reddish... Yeah, in the hologram, too, mm. she had a red dress. Uh, Jane Eyre always wore very, like, navy blue, gray, very dark color. So I was like, it's a small detail, but I was like, hmm. I don't like that. <laughs> I'm being picky. But... but it's true that's like her colors. Yeah, and I did like that she would And today always... she plays a character called Red on Orange is the New Black. <laughs> nice. It all comes back. And I like that she always had braided hair, which was very uh, uh, Jane Eyre in the book and the movie. She always had braided buns and hair and stuff like that. I didn't like that we can we didn't meet the mother. Mm. That would have been interesting in the in the novel. It's a wife that he married, and she kind of went insane. And instead of uh, we'll say properly dealing with it, he just shut her. <laughs> he put her in the attic, the fourth floor, we shall say, and he just put her there. And it's uh, Mrs. Poole in the novel takes care of her and uh, yeah. all that stuff. So we didn't meet. The mother, which was Bertha Mason, which was his uh, his wife in the past, was still married in theory. So I, I would have liked to meet her. And yeah, I don't think there was enough ghosts. Well, I mean, we only saw three chapters, and each time it's it, she gets interrupted Corrupted. all the time. It's I mean, mm. the show is not about this. It's about spaceships and aliens boop, and boop. you know toxic cheese, boop. whatever, whatever, whatever's happening that's that week. <laughs> toxic cheese. Yeah, but I, I like the it. you know the, the that part at the beginning where uh, we see like the reflection in the window and yeah. makes us believe there's a ghost. There's not enough of that. Yeah, no. Like it's uh, the movie I like the most is the one with uh, Michael Fassbender and uh, Mia Wachowski. Wachowski. Thank you. It's. I sure hope I'm saying it right. <laughs> if not, it I've decided sure. this is what it's, it's going to be, and okay. I keep saying it. But it's uh, there was a lot more ghost elements, and it's only I'm a big fan of listening to the director's uh, commentary mm -hmm. on movies I like, and this one is one I really enjoy uh, reading. Everyone's uh, listening, should I say? And at one point, he's just like, do you see that tiny shadow? It's supposed to be Bertha Mason. I don't know if it was too subtle. I never saw it until I read, I uh, listened to the director's uh, commentary. Or in one point, he, there's a, a dollhouse and he puts a doll in the attic. In the attic, yeah. And it's always subtle that I've never noticed. But as soon as he said it, I was like, how could I missed it? It was always small elements that... Uh, it's playing the same game the book is. Yeah. Just giving us fleeting glimpses that, you know, kind of reveal the truth, but yeah. uh, unless you know, yeah. you, don't, you even, don't see it on the first even time. I, I read the book and I still missed all those elements that as soon as I listened to the director's commentary, I was like, I appreciate this movie even more and I find, found it even better and all those subtle clues were, in my mind, mind-blowing. Yeah. I was like, oh, yes, 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 yes. Beautiful. But here we we don't just we don't spend enough time with the program to really get into yeah. any of that stuff, yeah. and eventually it, they just use it to kind of bolster an actual horror episode using a lot of the elements and yeah. those all those actors, and then we never see it again. It's a shame. I would have liked to see more. Although I don't think this has made you a, 
Star Trek fan overnight. <laughs> this episode. Nah, not I mean, today. <laughs> this is well. This isn't what I. I would not be showing these episodes to anyone to like convert them. That's not. <laughs> not the best ones to go no. by. But they were interesting to. Uh, and I think dropping this episode the day after Halloween kind of makes even more sense to me because it wasn't really supernatural. It wasn't really ghosts, and that's what the day after Halloween is all about. Yeah. The ghosts go back into tombs, and it's over. So that's all the time we, we had. Thank you, Jose, for being uh, a guest and bringing your expertise to the subject matter. Can I put it on my resume now? Generic uh, expertise. Generic expert. And <laughs> oh. you can... Uh, and, and if people want to hear more from you, you're also on another show on the Fire and Water Network. An excellent show called Oha More or Not. You should all listen to it. It's quite fun. There's you. There's uh, five DJ, other... DJ Nuts and uh, Havana Nights and Shotgun. We're all there. Cisco is there sometimes. Less interesting <laughs> that he's there. <laughs> yeah, we go through the official handbook to the Marvel Universe Deluxe Edition, and then you guys just go to town saying whether the characters are hot or not and discussing their their looks mostly. Yes. Looks and premises. I know. Personality is important. We don't we need to talk about personality too. It's important. Yes, we just uh, the looks are always uh, the main f- fun parts. It's a weird way to talk about that encyclopedia series, but it's a lot of fun and uh, people do react well to it. Yes. Your a... lines are often highlighted as the favorites. And I don't know why. It just happens that way. So, uh, thank you, Jose, Art Girl. Yes. And um, we're going to take a small break for a promo. And then uh, when I come back, some subspace transmissions, Star Trek news, and your listener feedback. Stick around. It's been a slice. Bye. A <laughs> slice. <laughs> It's midnight, the podcasting hour. Hello, listeners. It's your friend, PJ Frightful. That's PJ as in podcast jockey. And I'm dropping dreadful new episodes every two weeks. When the clock strikes midnight, the podcasting hour shines a candle on the dark corners of DC Comics. Those supernatural sagas of Swamp Thing, Dead Man, the Spectre, and more. The Podcasting Hour. It's a rotating anthology series boasting the terrifying talents of Ryan Daly, Rob Kelly, Paul Hicks, Ben Avery, Doug Zavisha, and other unfortunate souls. Prepare for the unexpected, open a doorway to nightmare, and enter the houses of mystery and secrets. The moon is full, and the dark spirits are rising. For it's midnight, the podcasting hour. Coming this Halloween, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Beware. Now time for subspace transmissions. In Star Trek news, well, the big item is that apparently Brian Fuller, who was the showrunner on Hannibal and Pushing Daisies, and Star Trek Discovery, is leaving the latter. He apparently has his plate full with the forthcoming American Gods miniseries and a new Amazing Story show. He just signed on to do too much stuff. I've never actually watched any of uh, his other shows, but people were really excited for the quality of the new Star Trek show. And so there are fans out there who are pissed that he's uh, leaving the show. But he's already uh, written a couple of episodes... And he's still executive producer, and a couple of other executive producers are upgrading to showrunners. These are Gretchen Berg, uh, who worked on Roswell and Pushing Daisies, and Aaron Harberts, 
I'm sure they'll do fine, but apparently you know, people are, aren't as excited as they used to be now with this news dropping. And this change creates a delay. I, I'm not sure when it was supposed to come out in the first place, but now we won't see Star Trek Discovery until May 2017. I've already talked elsewhere about how you know they botched the 50th anniversary by not coming out with the new show immediately. So we're getting further and farther from Star Trek's Incept date now. Though we're still in the same year. While we're at it, might as well talk about other things that we've learned about uh, Star Trek Discovery since we last spoke. Uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, there are um, some main characters uh, have been revealed, not the casting, not the names, just you know the basics of who these characters are. The lead will actually be a female lieutenant commander, and she'll be aboard the USS Discovery, a starship that explored the galaxy before Kirk was captain of the Enterprise. The other main characters apparently include an openly gay actor as one of the male leads. This is the one bit that's actually been confirmed by Fuller. A female admiral, a male Klingon captain, a male admiral, a male advisor, and a British male doctor. Rumor has it that the series will start with a mutiny, uh, but who knows at this point. But it does seem to indicate that we'll be seeing a, a secret mission if there's a Klingon captain. Although with all these casting calls for admirals who knows what kind of expanded cast we're dealing with are they all on the discovery or will we be seeing recurring characters from both the starfleet and the klingon side we'll try to stay on top of these news anyways we've got until may so plenty more episodes to discuss this and now listener feedback for episode two which was um which had me and david is gutierrez talking about tng characters we'd have liked to see more of a lot of people wrote in with their own favorite ancillary characters uh, let's see here. Uh, on Facebook, Aaron Henley says another good place to see TNG one-off characters is Peter David's New Frontier book series. Uh, yes, and we did talk about that as well. And um, expect an episode about New Frontier in the near future. Vanzi says awesome episode and two great hosts. I agree, Terry Hatcher should have been a recurring character. What happened to the Traveler after he and Wes leave? He's not the only one to ask that question. There's a third chapter to that story that we never got to see on screen. Kirk Greenfield says, every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Hopefully we'll pull you back in once a month. Alex Bowman says, I'm listening now and I'm hoping to hear you mention the Sheliac or Ethanites. Well, Ethanites were um, from Journey to Babel. Those are TOS aliens. So off limits in our discussion. The Sheliac, I do really like and I wish we'd seen more of those strange aliens. But we were talking about specific characters and not necessarily alien races. Maybe that's a show for another day. Now comments on the blog, which is the best place to leave comments. There's a whole discussion going on there on every one of our shows. It's fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we start with Chris Franklin from Supermates. He says, some great discussion there. I'm not as familiar with the TNG extended crew as characters to offer any suggestions beyond those mentioned here. But the talk of Thomas Riker intrigued me. That episode has always been a favorite and a fascinating character study. What if your younger self, or as David put it, an arrested version of yourself, was disappointed in the life choices you had made? The thought of Thomas replacing Will on the ship blew my mind. I'm not sure I'd want it to be permanent, but maybe an extended storyline where Will is believed dead and Thomas replaces him would have been interesting. And of course, it wouldn't have put Frakes out of work at all. Again, great show. Boston Moss says, fascinating. Minor STTNG characters I'd have liked to see more of. Alyssa Ogawa, Mr. Holm, Captain Cargan, Tomalak, Sila, and Torek. D says, fantastic episode. Count me in for another fan of Captain Edward Jellicoe. 
He was a tough boss, and there are times when a tough boss is needed. The situation with the Cardassians certainly qualified. Other minor TNG characters he'd like to have seen? Dr. Solar, Admiral Quinn, since he and Picard were friends, and Bruce Maddox, especially in The Offspring. Rob Kelly from Film and Water Podcast says, Enjoyable episode, even though I didn't know who or what you were talking about most of the time. My fave side character was Ensign Rowe, and I never forgave TNG for doing what it did to her on her final appearance. I also really love Q and his appearance in the final episode was one of the best moments on TV I've ever seen. Jeff R. gives us a little more information on Thomas Riker, saying he was safe in a Cardassian prison when we last saw him canonically, and was spared the death penalty. That was a couple of revolutions ago. The Dominion ought to have tried to brainwash him and use him as a blood-draw-proof substitute for William. Hmm. I'd have gone with at least one character in the one more appearance for closure of dangling plot lines, and that's the Traveler with Wesley. And I'd have liked Berlingoff Rasmussen to have recurred and become TNG's Harry Mudd. On that, I'll say Star Trek probably didn't need another Harry Mudd. Overrated comedy character, in my opinion. But more Matt Frewer would not have been a miss, I'm sure. He also says there ought to be a Mott Morn buddy comedy. I'm working on it. Clinton Robinson says, wonderful episode, Siskoid and David. Thanks for the wonderful song during the iTunes review, Siskoid. I try. I agree with pretty much all your choices, gentlemen. Honestly, I can't really think of too many others that I'd actually like to see more from. Mostly, I think I'd like to see more about some of the species that were encountered only once or twice in the series, or possibly following up on some episodes that left plot threads dangling for fanfic writers to latch onto. But since we're looking at characters, Ensign Rowe, Sela, anybody from the Enterprise C, Guinan, because I want a definitive backstory for her, damn it, and pretty much anybody who was at Starfleet Academy with Wesley. Say, that's a thought. What about Boothby the Groundskeeper? I bet he'd have a ton of stories to tell everybody. Yeah, he could even have been used as some kind of uh, engine for you know flashback stories. Then we have Mark Baker-Wright who says, I suppose conflict is at the heart of good drama, but I'm actually surprised to see so much love for Captain Jerko, as I took to calling him back when the episode aired and the teenage version of me thought I was being quite clever. I found him to be so insufferable, but to each his or her own. Uh, we also have Ido Bosnar, who says, One of the many problems in the first season was the rotating lineup of chief engineers. It's one of the most crucial positions on the ship, after all. It would have been cool if, before Geordi took over in season two, they had just stuck with Sarah McDougall, who only appeared in that second episode. On that, Ido, I sort of uh, agree. I think uh, Brooke Bundy's character was the most striking and memorable of those early engineers. Otherwise, I definitely agree with you about Ro Laren. She should have absolutely become a regular cast member, if for no other reason than there just had to be a permanent crew member in that navigator's chair, damn it. But she was such a great character, played so well by Forbes. And as you noted in those episodes, she basically wrote the book on Bajorans, much as I like Nana visitor Kira often came across as a pale imitation of Ro. Personally, I would definitely add Commander Shelby to my list. She would have been either a great addition to the crew or a semi-regular who showed up during episodes in which Federation security was threatened. They should have at least given her a cameo in the first Contact movie. I totally agree. Also, Robin Leffler... This was a real missed opportunity, I think. Until Voyager, when we saw a few semi-regulars uh, like uh, Vorik down in engineering, the engineering staff on the various Trek shows always got the short shrift, as they were mainly just a bunch of guys standing in the background, looking at screens, and occasionally tapping control panels, and getting killed or injured when something blew up. I really liked Leffler because she was competent and confident, unlike Barkley and Gomez, who seemed to be there for comic relief. Yeah, seemed. I could see her becoming something like a right-hand woman to Geordi, so he wouldn't always have to use Data as a crutch when there was something really big in engineering 
uh, to deal with. By the way, when you mentioned New Frontier for a moment, I thought you were talking about that series of fan films called Hidden Frontier. Since a number of minor characters from TNG, like Shelby, Leffler, Admiral Necheyev, etc., were also used there. Which leads me to ask, will you be also including those online fan film projects in your discussions? Well, personally, I haven't watched any of them yet. But of course, that's fair game. Um, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's a real fan of the, of the fan films uh, who would like to discuss it with me at some point. So, no, we're totally open here at Gimme That Star Trek. And let me end on some Facebook likes and shares and Twitter retweets. All of you are great friends of the network and the show. Thanks for getting the, the word out there or simply just supporting us uh, on Facebook. That would be Ryan Daly, Tim Wallace, Mike Gillis, Russell Burbage, Clinton Robison, Pat Sampson, Sean Brock, Greta Rujo, D-Bash, Chuck Rodriguez, Aaron Henley, The Long Box Crusade, Chris Franklin, Coffee and Comics Blog, Daniel Budnick, Jared West, Max Romero, Van Z, Mike Peacock, Shag Matthews, James Williams, Dale Russell, David Yoon, and Alex Bowman. And on Twitter, Bonfire Agency, Ryan Daly, Longbox Crusade, David Ace Gutierrez, Between the Pages, Treasury Comics, Film and Water Podcast, Comic Reflections, The Hammer Strikes, The BNQ Podcast, Two True Freaks, Ron Leckfer, Trek Comics, Trekbot, Pod Dylan, Warlord Worlds, and Diablo Frank, who also said that um, he likes Star Trek better than the Legion of Superheroes, but feels a similar lack of authority in discussing the property despite ample exposure but if I ever need someone to throw shade on the wrath of Khan he can provide hashtag ruiner hashtag unpopular opinion um, we'll see about that and then uh, Google Plus likes and shares from the Hammer Strikes thank you all we're closing off transmissions and we'll be reopening them in about a month until then go boldly But we did see a blue alien. And it wasn't the, the kind meant. It was meant. not. It so, was not. So you mean the Andorians. Quite possibly. We'll go with that. Yeah.